Uh, my name is Jonathan Smith. I'm the director of the Wesley Foundation at Georgia Southern University. Um, if you don't know where the Wesley House is, um, it is literally next door. Um, and we are in the middle of a campaign, capital campaign and uh, refurbishment process on our building. Uh, our exterior, as of this week, has been completely redone. Um, new paint, new siding, new roof, uh, which was a surprise. It's always a fun surprise when it's like, you're going to need a roof, and everyone cheers, right? Um, <laughs> that was a fun surprise. Um, but we are about uh, 75% of our way into our capital campaign, and we're completing projects as funding comes in. Um, and so I want you to know that the exterior is done, but the interior is getting worked on next over at the Wesley House. Um, our ministry is, is really growing in some pretty profound ways. Um, our, our worship continues uh, to be well attended. We had two students give their lives to Jesus Christ um, on our first Wednesday back for this semester. And God continues um, to send students out from our ministry to the campus to make a difference for God's kingdom. So I want to say thank you for the things that you're already doing to make a difference in the lives of college students at Georgia Southern. First, as a church, you pay your apportionments, um, and that helps us keep our doors open. Our ministry is funded uh, in major ways through your apportionment dollars. So when the church pays its apportionment, um, you're helping support ministry on the campus of Georgia Southern University. Second, thank you for following us on Facebook and on Instagram. Um, we are there. Um, you can find out all that's happening uh, with the Wesley Foundation if you follow us there on Facebook or Instagram. Um, and lots of great things are happening. And the third thing is thank you for partnering with us. Several of you um, are donors to the Wesley Foundation. And I want to say personally thank you for being a donor. Um, your dollars are helping us not only transform our facilities, but are also helping us transform the hearts and lives of students on this campus. And these students don't stay here. Did you know that, that our students don't stay? Um, whenever you invest in a student at, at the Wesley Foundation or any campus ministry here at Georgia Southern, those students leave and they make kingdom impacts in places all across the United States and even around the world. So your investment in campus ministry is an investment in the kingdom. And I'd encourage you to not only um, pray for us and follow us, but also partner with us in ministry to the campus of Georgia Southern University. Well, let's take a moment and go to God in prayer. Almighty God, we give you thanks for today, for this opportunity to gather together um, and to fellowship and to worship and to lift our hearts to you. God, let your word go forth this morning that we might be transformed. We pray all of these things in the name of Christ, our Savior and our Lord. Amen. I love the story of Jonah. I don't know if you've had time to read uh, the book of Jonah. It's a very short story, uh, but it's one of the best stories in the scriptures. And it's a story that people have wrestled with for years. In fact, um, at, the, at the very beginning when it was being included in the Old Testament, um, the Jews wrestled over Jonah because it doesn't have a happy ending. Have you ever read the end of Jonah? Not really a happy ending there at the end of Jonah. You should read the book of, of Jonah. It'll take you about 15 minutes. Not a long book at all. It's worth your time and your effort. But the story, the, the text that we read this morning uh, that you heard read from Jonah chapter three is right in the middle of the book and, and you miss a whole lot of the story if you jump in where we began and, I, and that's where we're gonna start. So take a moment right now, there are pew Bibles in front of you and go ahead and open up those pew Bibles to Jonah chapter three, verse 10. Jonah chapter three, verse 10. If you're like, I don't know what a pew Bible is, um, open the Bible app on your smartphone you can also read the word there. Um, Jonah chapter three, verse 10 is, is where we're going 
to be this morning. In Jonah chapter three, verse 10, um, it says this. It says, then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time, a second time. Now for our purposes this morning, that's an important thing to note, that this is the second time the word of the Lord has come to Jonah in this story. Now the word of God had come to Jonah before. Choir, you know this, right? That the word of God had come to Jonah before because Jonah was a prophet. He was a prophet of God. He was a man who was charged to speak the word of God wherever he was. When the word of the Lord came to Jonah, it was his duty, his obligation to speak it to the audience that God would send him to. And for what we know of Jonah, he must have been pretty faithful to speak the word that he had received to the world. At least until the last time that the word of the Lord came to him. Remember, this is the second time the word of the Lord has come to him. The first time, something was different. Something was different about the last time that the word of God came to Jonah. You see, when God spoke to him last time in his tent back in Israel... He had asked Jonah to do something that was absolutely unthinkable, to do something incredible, to do something that he could never imagine imagine doing. God asked Jonah to go to Nineveh. Wait, you're all supposed to gasp there. Nobody gasped. Let's, okay, all right, I need your help with this. You're gonna have to gasp, okay? God told Jonah to go to Nineveh. You're, you're not kidding. Nineveh, the capital of Assyria. Y- yeah, Assyrians, friends. The Assyrian Empire had been the empire that came and captured his people and carted them off. Not off to captivity, but off of this mortal coil. <laughs> his people are no more because the Assyrian Empire swept through and took the tribes of Israel from their homeland. Jonah could never imagine carrying the word of God to a place like Nineveh. It would be like you receiving a word from God to go to North Korea. Go to North Korea and proclaim the word of God there. There's not many people that are signing up for that, are there? You know, bad things happen to people in North Korea, particularly if you preach the gospel. Just take a poster down you might not come back. I'm sure you've all seen that story. Bad things happen in Nineveh and bad things happen in North Korea and Jonah. Jonah wasn't gonna go. And so Jonah runs. Jonah ran away. Jonah ran down to the port and and he got on a boat to the farthest point that he could conceive of in the world. Now you remember that he lives on one end of the Mediterranean. The known world was at the other, the end of the known world was at the other end of the Mediterranean in a place called Tarshish. And so Jonah says, that's where I want to go. If Nineveh is to the east, I am going to the furthest point west that I can think of. I'm going to Tarshish. I'm going to Spain. Because past that, there's nothing. And so Jonah gets on a boat and he puts out to sea with a group of sailors and everything seems to be going well until God sends a storm. 
Now, if you're a sailor on the Mediterranean Sea, storms are normal, especially in the wintertime. Storms are terrible, and you would know what to do. But this storm is so great and so powerful that the sailors on the boat are scared, and they begin to cast lots to discern who it is that's brought this trouble and calamity on them. And it, it turns out that a lot falls on, on Jonah. And so the sailors, these pious sailors in the story, go to Jonah and say, what have you done? And Jonah says, I've sinned. And he begs them to throw him overboard so that they can save their own lives. And, and they reluctantly do in the story. They take Jonah and they throw him off of the boat. And the scriptures say that at that moment, the sea went silent and calm. It just went still. And you know what happens next, right? The God who sent a storm sends a whale or a fish. And that fish swallows Jonah whole. And Jonah finds himself in the belly of the whale in the belly of the fish. And it's there that Jonah begins to pray. <laughs> That's where he be, it's there where he begins to pray. Jonah, seeing the error of his ways and the complexity of his situation, does something rather remarkable. He actually prays. He prays to the God who sent the storm, and he prays to the God who sent the fish, and he prays this. It's a beautiful prayer. It's in Jonah chapter two. You should read it this afternoon. From inside of the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord and he said, in my distress, I called to the Lord and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead. By the way, if you're inside of a fish in the bottom of the ocean, you are in the realm of the dead. <laughs> He's in a place that he knew he couldn't get out of. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help and you listened to my cry. It's a beautiful prayer. It's a beautiful prayer in chapter two. I think all but maybe two verses in chapter two are a part of this prayer that Jonah prays. And the incredible thing is that God hears Jonah's prayer and God acts. In the words of the King James Version, the fish then vomited. <laughs> I mean, it's not the NIV, it's the King James, right? Vomited. <laughs> Jonah up onto the shore where we get chapter three, verse 10. The word of the Lord comes to Jonah a second time. And this is what God said. Go to that great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. God's plan didn't change in spite of Jonah. <laughs> Jonah thought that he could control God. If he just didn't go to Nineveh, then the word of God wouldn't get preached in Nineveh. But God's plan can't be stopped. It can't be undone. And so God sends a storm to get Jonah and God sends a fish to get Jonah so that Jonah can go to this place called Nineveh that he couldn't imagine going and preach the word of the Lord to them. And so Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and he went to Nineveh. Now, the scriptures say that Nineveh was a very large city. It took three days to go through it, sort of like driving through Texas. Have you ever driven through Texas? Yeah, it just keeps going. So Jonah goes into the city <laughs> preaching a message. So Jonah began, a day, began by going a day's journey into the city, proclaiming 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. Now, is that an expiring message to you? 
It's not a very inspiring message to me. 40 more days and this city will be ruined. This is Jonah's sermon. It's actually only a five-word sermon in, in Hebrew. 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. But because Jonah had listened and Jonah had obeyed, something amazing happened. And maybe you just glossed over it in its reading this morning or the last time that you read this from Jonah chapter three, but God's word was proclaimed by this reluctant, fish gut covered prophet. Five words were spoken in this city by him and something amazing happened, something incredible happened, something powerful happened. The Ninevites believed God. The Ninevites. And a fast was proclaimed. And all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth and went into mourning. The scriptures go on in chapter three. They didn't just a few people in a few places mourn. The people were so heartbroken over the the message that Jonah had preached that they even covered their, their, their livestock Their goats, their sheep, the oxen, the cattle, they covered them in sackcloth and covered them with dust. Everyone wept and everyone mourned and they turned from their wicked ways. They gave up their idols and their perversions. They stopped wounding themselves and others with their words and their conduct and they returned to God. They returned to God. It's a crazy part of the story, isn't it? Jonah, the reluctant prophet, shows up with a five, a poorly worded five-word sermon smelling like fish, and the people changed their ways. And when God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction that he had threatened. God spared a city. God spared a city because a reluctant prophet spoke a five-word sermon to a people who were far from God but needed to hear God's voice. I bet you didn't know it, but this is a story. It's a story about listening and what we do after we listen. Many of us listen for the voice of God. The question is, what do you do after you hear the voice of God spoken to you? What do you do when God moves in your heart and you hear God's word beginning to pour into you and speak to you and ask you to do things? Ask you to change your ways. Listening is hard enough, isn't it? I've got an eight-year-old and a four-year-old. Listening is tough, especially when the television is on. I mean, if, if I walk by my girl's room and they're watching Netflix on the television, um, they're just frozen. They're just frozen staring at the screen. Girls, clean your room. It turns out it's a hereditary condition because if college football is on the television and Stephanie says, Jonathan, go clean the kitchen, I'm, I'm, also, I'm also frozen. Is that how it works in your house? Listening is tough, but responding is even tougher Responding's harder. Obeying what we hear is even harder than just listening. Some of us, we get really good at listening, but really bad at obeying. But what this story illustrates for us is that there's really two responses when God's word is spoken to us and in us. The first response is to listen and run, and the second response is to listen and obey. 
Listen and run or listen and obey. These are our only two choices when it comes to God speaking to our hearts and to our lives. Because when, we're, when, we're, when we ignore God, the way a child ignores a parent sometimes, it's just like running away. When God calls us to act and calls us to move, we either run or we obey. And I love the story of Jonah because I find myself in the story all of the time. To be honest with you, I'm a lot more like Jonah than I like to admit. I am guilty of listening to God's word, listening to God speak to me, listening to God call and then running away. Now, I haven't booked any flights to Tarshish lately, but I am really good at being busy, you know, with church stuff. I mean, that's what God wants me to do, right? Church stuff, you know, like budgets and spreadsheets and that sort of thing. I'm really good at being tired. I'm pretty good at that. And I'm nearly a pro at being overcommitted. And my hunch is that the same things are true for you when God's word comes to you. You know, my kids, they have a lot going on and this is really the only weekend that we have free. I'm really pretty accomplished at listening to God speak and then running the other direction. And I know that I'm not the only one in this room who's accomplished. I think if we're honest with ourselves, we'd all admit that we're pretty adept at running from God, listening and running. Why? That's the question, isn't it? I think it's because we know that God might take us to a place where we aren't comfortable. I think it's because we know that God might say something that might, uh, might not send us to North Korea to proclaim the gospel, but it might cause us to give up some of our political or social or societal allegiances. We have so much to lose. God might speak and we might have to give up some of our power or some of our position or some of our popularity or some of our money or we might have to step out in ways that make us uncomfortable. And all of those reasons for listening and running, they work really well when you believe that God's concern is only for you and your welfare. And ultimately, that's Jonah's problem. Do you know this? Ultimately, Jonah's problem is that he believed that God was for him and for his people that people in places like Nineveh don't deserve God's grace, don't deserve God's unmerited favor, that they should just go to hell for the things that they've done and leave his people alone. But God's plan wasn't just for Jonah and for Jonah's people. And God's plan isn't just for us or for you. God's plan is for all, for every heart to be redeemed and to be restored. God's plan wasn't just for Jonah and for his people, but it was for all of us. God's plan and God's concern is for his grace to extend to the furthest places of the world, from Tarshish to Nineveh. His plan was for every heart and every life to be consumed and restored by the power and by the grace of God. That's why when Jonah ran, God sent a storm. That's why when Jonah ran, God sent a fish. 
And that's why God gave Jonah a second chance. Because yes, Jonah's life matters, but so do the people who live in Nineveh. And God knew if he could get Jonah to speak five words in that city, that their hearts would be changed for the good. So God sent a storm and God sent a fish to get his attention. I wonder what God might have sent into your life to get your attention. Because I bet that God has a word for you to speak in your office or at your job or out of the baseball field or at a football game or, or at Kiwanis or the Rotary Club. I bet, I bet God has a word for you to speak, a word that can bring transformation to the hearts and lives of people who are around you. And my encouragement for you today is to listen and to obey because the transformation of your heart and your life has the potential to transform someone else's heart and someone else's life. And that's God's will being done in the world. This series is a series about listening well to the voice of God, but I want you to do so much more than that. I want you to obey the words you hear. Don't run, don't hide, don't ignore, don't turn the other way. If you want to see God do miraculous things in your life, in this community, and in this church, then listen and obey. There's no magic prayer or plan or 17 steps to do. There's no incantation. It's simply us hearing the word of God and obeying. This morning, we're gonna take a moment and we're gonna confess together that, that we haven't always lived up to God's high call in our life. And the prayer of confession that we're gonna pray can be found on page 12 of your bullet, excuse me, page 12 of your United Methodist hymnal. And this morning, before we say that prayer together out loud, I want you to hear those words so that we can confess together that we've been really good at running and not very good at obeying so that we can be ready to receive God's grace and God's mercy so that we can leave here as transformed people sent out to transform the world. Here's our prayer of confession and pardon. It goes like this. Merciful God, we confess that we've not loved you with our whole heart, that we failed to be an obedient church, that we've not done your will, we've broken your law, we've rebelled against your love, we've not loved our neighbors, and we've not heard the cry of the needy. Forgive us, we pray. Free us for joyful obedience. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.